The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine, Book 5, Terror, The Order of the Day, Chapter 7, Flame Picture. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 5, Chapter 7, Flame Picture. In this manner, mad, blazing with flame of all imaginable tints, from the red of Tophet to the stellar bright, blazes off this consummation of sans-colotism. But the hundredth part of the things that were done, and the thousandth part of the things that were projected and decreed to be done, would tire the tongue of history. Statue of the purple sovereign, high as Strasbourg's steeple, which shall fling its shadow from the Pont Neuf over Jardin National and Convention Hall, enormous in painted David's head. With other, the like enormous statues, not a few, realised in paper decree. For indeed, the Statue of Liberty herself is still but plaster in the Place de la Révolution. Then equalisation of weights and measures with decimal division, institutions of music and of much else, institute in general, school of art, school of Mars, élève de la patrie, normal schools. Amid such gun-boring, altar-burning, saltpetre-digging and miraculous improvements in tannery. What, for example, is this that Engineer Schaup is doing in the Parc of Vincennes? In the Parc of Vincennes, and onwards, they say, is the Parc of Le Palettier Saint-Vargo, the assassinated deputy, and still onwards to the heights of Ecoen and further. He has scaffolding set up, has posts driven in. Wooden arms with elbow joints are jerking and fugling in the air in the most rapid, mysterious manner. Citoyens run up suspicious. Yes, O oh citoyen, we are signalling. It is a device this worthy of the Republic, a thing for what we will call far-writing, without the aid of post-bags. In Greek it shall be named telegraph. Telegraph sacre, answers citoyenism, for writing to traitors, to Austria, and tears it down. Sharp had to escape and get a new legislative decree. Nevertheless, he has accomplished it, the indefatigable chap. This his far writer, with its wooden arms and elbow joints, can intelligibly signal, and lines of them are set up to the north frontiers and elsewhither. On an autumn evening of the year two, far writers, having just written that Condé Town has surrendered to us, we send from Tuileries Convention Hall this response in the shape of decree. The name of Condé is changed to Nord Libre, North Free. The army of the North ceases not to merit well of the country. To the admiration of men, for lo, in some half-hour while the convention yet debates, there arrives this new answer. I inform thee, Jetonance, citizen president, that the decree of convention ordering change of the name Condé into North Free, and the other declaring that the army of the North ceases not to merit well of the country, are transmitted and acknowledged by telegraph. I have instructed my officer at Lee to forward them to North Free by express. Signed, Sharp. Or see, over Fleurus in the Netherlands, where General Jourdan, having now swept the soil of liberty and advanced thus far, is just about to fight and sweep or be swept things there not in the heaven's vault. Some prodigy seen by Austrian eyes and spyglasses in the similitude of an enormous windbag with netting and enormous saucer depending from it. A Jove's balance, O ye Austrian spyglasses.
one saucer-hole of a Jove's balance, you poor Austrian scale, having kicked itself quite aloft out of sight? By heaven, answer the spyglasses, it is a Montgolfier, a balloon, and they are making signals. Austrian cannon battery barks at this Montgolfier, harmless as dog at the moon. The Montgolfier makes its signals, detects what Austrian ambuscade they may be, and descends at its ease. What will not these devils incarnate contrive? On the whole, is it not, O reader, one of the strangest flame pictures that ever painted itself, flaming off there on its ground of guillotine black? And the nightly theatres are twenty-three, and the salon de danse are sixty, full of mere egalité, fraternité, and carmagnole. And section committee rooms are forty-eight, redolent of tobacco and brandy, vigorous with twenty pence a day, coercing the suspect. And the houses of arrest are twelve for Paris alone, crowded and even crammed. And at all turns you need your certificate of civism, be it for going out or for coming in. Nay, without it you cannot, for money, get your daily ounces of bread. Dusky red-capped bakers' queues wagging themselves, not in silence. For we still live by maximum in all things, waited on by these two, scarcity and confusion. The faces of men are darkened with suspicion, with suspecting or being suspect. The streets lie unswept, the ways unmended. Law, as shuttered books, speaks little save impromptu through the throat of Tanville. Crimes go unpunished, not crimes against the revolution. The number of foundling children, as some compute, is doubled. How silent now sits royalism, sits all aristocratism, respectability that kept its geek. The honour now and the safety is to poverty, not to wealth. Your citizen, who would be fashionable, walks abroad with his wife on his arm in red wool nightcap, black shag spencer and carmagnole complete. Aristocratism crouches low in what shelter is still left, submitting to all requisitions, vexations, too happy to escape with life. Ghastly chateaux stare on you by the wayside, disroofed, diswindowed, which the national housebroker is peeling for the lead and ashlar. The old tenants hover disconsolate over the Rhine with Condé, a spectacle to men. Ci-devant seigneur, exquisite in palate, will become an exquisite restaurateur-cook in Hamburg. Ci-devant madame, exquisite in dress, a successful marchand des modes in London. In Newgate Street you meet Monsieur le Marquis with a rough deal on his shoulder, ads and jackplane under arm. He has taken to the joiner trade, it being necessary to live for vivre. Higher than all Frenchmen, the domestic stock-jobber flourishes in a day of paper money. The farmer also flourishes. Farmers' houses, says Mercier, have become like pawnbrokers' shops. All manner of furniture, apparel, vessels of gold and silver accumulate themselves there. Bread is precious. The farmer's rent is paper money, and he alone of men has bread. Farmer is better than landlord and will himself become landlord. And daily, we say, like a black spectre, silently through that life-tumult, passes the revolution cart, writing on the walls its menne, menne, thou art weighed and found wanting, a spectre with which one has grown familiar. 
Men have adjusted themselves. Complaint issues not from that death tumbrel. Weak women and sea devant, their plumage and finery all tarnished, sit there with a silent gaze as if looking into the infinite black. The once light lip wears a curl of irony, uttering no word and the tumbrel fares along. They may be guilty before heaven or not. They are guilty, we suppose, before the revolution. Then does not the Republic coin money of them with its great axe? Red nightcaps howl dire reproval. The rest of Paris looks on, if with a sigh, that is much. Fellow creatures whom sighing cannot help, whom black necessity and tenvia have clutched. One other thing, or rather two other things, we will still mention and no more. The blonde perukes, the tannery at Meudon. Great talk is of these peruque blonde. O oh, reader, they are made from the heads of guillotined women. The locks of a duchess in this way may come to cover the scalp of a cordwainer. Her blonde German Frankism, his black Gaelic pole, if it be bald. Or they may be worn affectionately as relics, rendering one suspect. Citizens use them, not without mockery, of a rather cannibal sort. Still deeper into one's heart goes that tannery at Meudon, not mentioned among the other miracles of tanning. At Meudon, says Montgaillard with considerable calmness, there was a tannery of human skins, such of the guillotined as seemed worth flaying, of which perfectly good wash leather was made, for breeches and other uses. The skin of the men, he remarks, was superior in toughness, consistence, and quality to chamois. That of women was good for almost nothing, being so soft in texture. History, looking back over cannibalism, through Perchas pilgrims and all early and late records, will perhaps find no terrestrial cannibalism of a sort on the whole so detestable. It is a manufactured, soft-feeling, quietly elegant sort, a sort perfide. Alas, then, is man's civilization only a rapage, through which the savage nature of him can still burst, infernal as ever. Nature still makes him, and has an infernal in her as well as a celestial. End of Book 5, Chapter 7